0: We have people in England and China, across the world, that are listening in on our broadcast, listening to podcasts, and following along with us in our study. We're just grateful that you have joined us, that you're being part of this sermon series called Following Jesus. You should be able to download the same listening guide that we are using right here in the Worship Center at Eastside Baptist Church in Auburndale, Florida. If you're ever here in our area, please come by and be a part of the worship service here. We've been trying to discover what it looks like to be a Jesus follower in our daily lives? How can I work out my faith on a daily basis, be a Jesus follower at school and at work and at home and at the store and in my relationships and in my finances and in my struggles? What does it look like to follow Jesus? When Jesus called his disciples, he said, follow me. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. What does that look like? Well, one of the characteristics of true followers of Jesus is that they pray. Their tendency is to pray about everything. In fact, Jesus' followers are so committed to prayer that if you ask them to pray, they might just stop what they're doing and pray right then. Uh, so that's part of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. It is to be a person who prays God's will, praying the will of God. It kind of looks like this. Remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane? Uh, interesting, just a little side note here. The word Gethsemane, Gethsemane means olive press. And the picture is of the crushing of the olives producing olive oil. And the heavier the weight to crush the olives, the purer the olive oil. So Extra virgin olive oil is that which was pressed under the heaviest weight. So if God is putting a heavy weight on you, he may be trying to get precious oil out of your life, right? Jesus was in the garden of the olive press. He was in a crushing position. And what did he pray? God, get this off of me? Ah, yes, he did. He said, please take this away from me. If there's any other way, take this away from me. Nevertheless, here's the secret to praying God's will. Not my will, but thine be done. And getting to the place in our prayer life where we genuinely say from the heart, Lord, it's not what I want. It's what you want. It's not my plan. It's not my agenda. It's your will that matters in this situation. And getting to that place is what God desires for all of us in our prayer lives. He wants us to get to the place where we're genuinely surrendered to the will of God and say, God, Here's what I want, but really it doesn't matter what I want. What really matters is, God, that your will be done. That's how this prayer that we're going to study, the Lord's Prayer, that's how this opens up and it's how it closes. And Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray. Prayer is the privilege of every believer, no matter how old or how young, you have the privilege of prayer. It's God's invitation to a relationship with himself. He invites us to have this conversation with him about our lives and everything that is affecting us. He invites us into relationship. The early disciples observed Jesus as he healed the sick and cleansed the lepers, and made the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and the deaf to hear, and the dead to live again, and he performed these mighty miracles, and he had this awesome teaching ministry, and he had these demonstrations of his power and authority, and what did they ask him? Teach us to pray, not teach us how to do miracles, not teach us how to cast out demons, not teach us how to speak in tongues, not teach us how to heal the sick. Teach us to pray. I found some images on uh, Google Images that I particularly like, and you may have seen a couple of these before, but I really like these images here are some soldiers in a circle, arm in arm, praying. You ever heard the saying there are no atheists in the foxholes? If you're in war, let me tell you, you learn to pray. You realize that every day is a life and death situation. I don't suspect that the people who were in Orlando thought that they were going to be gunned down. But can I just share with you, the reality is, my friends, you better get right with God. Because you can die any minute. And these people were ushered into eternity while in a night Now, just just to sober you up a little bit, there were a bunch of people in a church in Charleston, South Carolina, in a prayer meeting, and a gunman walked in and killed a bunch of them. And so your prayer life ought to be up to date. You know, the last thing I'd like to know when I leave this world is that I was talking to my father in heaven. Whatever the situation. And we've been studying on Wednesday night. In the book of Acts. And the first martyr of the church. Was stoned to death. And you know what was happening. While he was being stoned to death. He was praying for the people who were him. He said Lord do not lay this sin to their charge. His prayer life was up to date. How's your prayer life today? Up to date. Sins confessed. Everything's right between you and God. You've laid your life out before Him, and you've said, God, here's my life. I commit my life to you. Use me for your honor and glory How's your prayer life. How are you doing? You walking with Jesus today? I'm telling you, these guys have their lives on the line and they realized it, and what did they do? They turned to God in prayer. Here's another image that I particularly like. You remember seeing this one before? Here's the soldier who's getting ready to get married. He's not supposed to see his bride, but he sure wants to pray with her. Not only is that a great example of the way to start a marriage, but it reminds all of us of how important it is to pray with our spouse. Nobody in this world can pray a more powerful prayer for you than your spouse. God designed it that way. In fact, he says in his word that there is a special grace that he has for husbands and wives who pray together and the devil knows that and that's why he's trying to keep you from doing it. He doesn't want you praying together. He knows that if you pray together, there's a special grace that's given to you. And if you are at odds with each other that grace is hindered in your lives and he can beat you up so he doesn't want husbands and wives praying together and that image reminds us it's a great way to start your marriage and it's a great way to keep your marriage on track praying together it's hard to fight with somebody that you're praying with it really is you know mad as you want to be You sit down and hold the hands of your spouse and pray with them. It is tough to be angry at them and be talking to the Father. I've tried that before. It doesn't work. You know what the Father says? As soon as you say, Father, He says, Stop this for a minute and make things right and let's talk. It's just really difficult. As soon as I get ready to turn to the Lord in prayer, if there's something between me and my wife, we've got to get it straightened out. That's what God wants. Here's another image. I like this one in particular because it's hands folded in prayer before an open Bible. The best way to pray is with an open Bible. Pray God's word. It's already stamped with his approval. God's word and prayer are inextricably linked together. You want to know how to pray? Get into the Word of God. You want your prayers answered? Get into the Word of God. This is a principle of Scripture. We're going to talk about those principles this morning. A principle of Scripture, that God's Word and prayer are linked together. And as we pray God's Word, we are praying more powerful prayers, because it's already been stamped with God's approval. And then this final image. Um, this picture hung on the wall in my home when I was growing up. It's called Our Daily Bread. And here's a man who is leaning over a table with a loaf of bread, his glasses, a bowl, and a Bible. reminder to us of our need for daily prayer. Now here's what I want to ask you. What are the images on the walls of your house? And what are they teaching you children? Are they teaching them that somebody is the greatest in the world? Are they teaching them that this rock star has really got it together? Are they teaching them that Drugs and alcohol are really where it's at. Are they teaching them that they can rebel and it's okay? Or are the images on the walls of your heart, uh, of, of your house, reflecting the fact that your home is dedicated to the Lord and that you are dependent upon the Lord, and you've lined The walls of your house with scripture verses and images of prayer and images of Jesus Christ and the cross and the grace of God. And look at the posters on the walls of this house. Don't think for a minute that those images don't have an impact your kids walk into that house every single day and they see those images it makes an impact I still have the image in my mind of my mom and dad at a dinner table in the kitchen both of them praying I'll never forget what kind of images do you want to leave your children. What kind of legacy you want to leave with them? Well, we're talking about this important subject of prayer. Let's look at what Scripture has to say in Matthew chapter six. This is sometimes called the Lord's Prayer, sometimes the disciples' prayer. It's a wonderful passage of Scripture. I'm beginning in chapter 6 and verse 5. Jesus says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. This is, you know, when you're praying, the only time you're praying is when you're at church. I'm telling you, you're in trouble. But when you pray, Jesus says, go into your room and when you've shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. So this means that I'm to get alone with God and talk with Him about the things that are on my heart. There is time for public corporate prayer like we had this morning. It's very important. But the daily Time alone with God is irreplaceable. Verse 7, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. That is, if you're praying the same old phrases over and over again, then you're probably not talking to the Father, you're just reciting something. I want to make sure that you're talking to the Father. That your prayers come from your heart and not from a repetition. Because that's what pagans do. They recite prayers over and over again and they get about as far as the ceiling. They don't get to the heart of God. Verse 8, therefore do not be like them for your father, this is a powerful verse, look at this, your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. You can go to him with complete confidence that he understands everything about what's going on in your life and he knows how to meet your needs. And he's simply waiting for you to come to him with an open heart. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In verses 14 and 15, Jesus continues, and he says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. We'll talk about that principle of forgiveness this morning. Notice how important it is to Jesus that we forgive people that hurt us and offend us. Which is why, when Jesus was on the cross, He said, the "Father, forgive." It's why, when Jesus, when Stephen was being stoned, He says, "Hold, do not hold this sin against me." Verse 15, but if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. All right, let's take a look at these principles. We're going to move quickly, so stay with me. Here we go. Number one, first principle of prayer is adoration. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name be treated as holy. Holy. The term Father is used 12 different times in this chapter. It emphasizes relationship. Prayer is about relationship. You're talking with your Heavenly Father. You have a relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. This term hallowed means to treat as holy. We must never forget that the Father we're talking to is the holy, holy, holy God. He is not to be treated carelessly, nor cheaply. He's to be reverenced and honored. True prayer will always begin with an acknowledgement of who God is and the fact that he is to be worshipped and adored. And may I say this to you this morning, our Father is worthy to be worshipped regardless of what is going on in your life. So if your heart is heavy and burdened, he is worthy to be worshipped. And if your heart is full of joy and freedom and gladness, he is worthy to be worshipped. No matter what is going on in your life, no matter how difficult or painful your circumstances, he is worthy sang that song today, Worthy is the Lamb. That simply means that at any time, He is worthy. Whatever you're going through, whatever your struggles, whatever your burdens, whatever your heartaches, He's worthy to be worshipped. He should be worshipped. He's the Most High God the principle of adoration. And Jesus starts with this. He says it's important for us to recognize who God is and that he's worthy of our worship no matter what's going on. Second principle of prayer is submission. Notice the phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done. This is about God's kingdom and his will, not my kingdom and my will. It's what God wants. Once we've acknowledged who God is and that he's worthy to be worshipped and adored, then our next response is one of submission to his will. I'm surrendering my life and my will to my heavenly father. In prayer, I'm not asking God to do my will. I'm asking God to do his will in my life. And Jesus set the perfect example for us. Not my will, but yours be done. True prayer means that we're seeking to bring ourselves in line with God's will. True prayer puts the kingdom of God first, not my needs first. So, if I'm really praying, if I'm doing what I ought in prayer, then I'm Purposely bringing my will in submission to the Father's will because that's the purpose of prayer. And I say, Father, no matter how this works out, I seek your will. And so I need to get to the place in my own life where I can say, God, whatever happens... Your will be done. That's what it means to surrender. That's what it means to submit. It means getting my heart to the place where I say, God, what really matters here is not my agenda, not my desires, not my plans, not my future, but what you want. That's what really matters. And guess what? if we can all get to that place, it's a glorious thing. Let me tell you what happens when we all get to that place. It's described in Psalm 133. How blessed is the people who dwell together in unity because it is like the oil of anointing that flows down on the head and all the way down to the feet. What happens when God's people get together in unity is the anointing of the Spirit is released in that group of people. He is empowering in his presence. But because we have our will, we struggle, don't we? So true prayer brings us to that place where we say, God, whatever happens, may your will be done. We surrender to Him. Third principle is the prayer of provision. This principle of prayer is provision. Give us this day our daily bread. In prayer, we express our dependence upon the Lord daily for everything that we need. If you get to eat today, guess who provided? If you get to breathe today, guess who provided? He's your provider. And this prayer is meant to remind you and me that everything we have comes to us from our Father above who loves us and wants to provide for our needs. Remember a time in my life, not too many years ago, when I just lost my job. And I had no idea where the money was going to come from. Now listen to this. I was in debt and a lot of debt in back and I'd lost my job and my job was being a preacher I'd been fired from my church something by the way you all can do anytime you want to hope you won't but you can the authority of the congregation is here and you all have that right you can fire me anytime you want to Please don't fire me. <laughs> but, but I had been fired from my church, uh, forcibly terminated. And I did not know where I was going to get my next paycheck. I didn't know how I was going to buy groceries or pay the bills or anything. did not know. And I was laying on the floor crying, crying out to God. Here's what he said to me. Who's been paying your bills all along? And I said, you have. I said, then don't worry about it. You know, I never missed a payment. Never missed a meal. He was close to running out of gas one day. And a friend drove up in my driveway and said, God told me to bring you five gallons of gas. Put it in my car. Tell me, my father does not know what I need and when I need it. Our father knows these things and He wants us to acknowledge the fact that He, not the government, not the employer, not the local social services branch, not these things, but He alone provides for our needs. And the more you realize that, the more He delights to provide for you. Give us this day our daily bread, not give us this next six months, Give us this day, because every day He wants us to depend on Him. Every day. How many of you realize that if God wanted to, He could take everything you have in a matter of seconds? He can take it all. And so, everything you think you have is in His hands. He can take it or he can multiply He wants you to be a good steward of it and handle it wisely. But he can take it if he wants to. And that's why he tells us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, because you don't know if your bank is going to be there tomorrow. He could crush that bank. He can crush the whole economy, and let me just tell you, he might. And then what are you going to do? you're going to learn this prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Because my friend, my Father in Heaven is in control of it all. And He doesn't need the economy to provide for you. Very important principles of prayer. This principle of provision. He's your Father and He has obligated Himself to care for your needs and nine through prayer is turning to my father knowing that he will supply my every need fourth principle the principle of forgiveness and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors one of the primary purposes of prayer is to keep the lines of communication open between me and my father I keep those lines of communication open through confession and forgiveness. Unconfessed sin is going to hinder my relationship with God. God has made a provision for you and me. Because Because we all sin every day, I said, because we all sin every day, I said, because we all sin every day, We need a provision for our sinfulness. And here's the provision. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's made that provision so that you and I can confess our sins and the relationship can be opened up again. Where there's freedom. Now listen. You're his child. Nothing's ever going to change that. But if you've offended God by sinning in some way, you might lose the sense of his presence and peace and guidance and power. You might lose that. You won't lose your salvation because you're always his child. But you might lose his power. You might lose that sense of His presence in your life, you might lose those things if you allow sin to go unconfessed in your life. God's made that provision. If we confess our sins, He is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 7, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The way that's written in the original language, it says this. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, is continually cleansing us from sin. If I'm in a right relationship with him today, The blood of Christ is cleansing me even as I speak. Isn't that good news? Forgiveness. And the emphasis here is on keeping my relationship with the Father open so I can hear from Him and I can know His direction and His leadership. I want to know His will in every situation. The unconfessed sin is going to hinder my relationship with him. And it's important to remember that it, this prayer is asking God to treat my sins the same way I treat other people's sins. So what I'm saying to the Father is, Father, I ask you to forgive my sin in the same way that I forgive other people who've sinned against me. Please treat my sin, Father, the same way I treat other people's sins. Now look, there's a whole bunch of ways that we get to offend each other. I can think of just a whole bunch of them. You know, we just offend each other. We're easily offended these days. People get offended over the silliest things. You know, and somebody can really mistreat you and and talk bad about you and betray you, and you still have a responsibility under God to forgive them and to love them. I mean, you have that responsibility before God. You're saying to God in prayer, please treat my sins the same way I treat other people's sins. God says, if you are not willing to forgive that person who's hurt you, don't come to me with your prayers and ask for forgiveness. So we want to be very careful about that stuff, don't we? I mean, one of the chief characteristics of a person who's following Jesus is that they are a forgiving person. We want to develop the habit of forgiveness. We want that in our, in our marriage relationships, you know, be professional forgivers. And we want to develop that in all of our relationships. So, I just have this important thing I need to ask you. Would you please forgive me when I do something that disappoints you or hurts you? If I overlook you or neglect you or somehow treat you carelessly, would you be willing to forgive me? Well, at least there's one here. Amen. (laughs) You need to forgive me whether you want to or not. And that's for your benefit, right? Holding on to unforgiveness is like drinking poison and thinking it's going to hurt that other person. Holding on to bitterness just doesn't work. It kills our spiritual lives. So forgiveness is so important. If I want to receive it from the Father, then I have to be willing to give it freely. Freely I have received. Freely I should give fifth principle of prayer is protection. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. One of the main reasons we pray is to seek God's protection and guidance. God is well able to protect you and me from temptation and from the evil in this world. He is able to deliver us from bondage. He's able to protect us from the evil one. And he's far more willing to help us than we might imagine. He will help you if you will cry out to him. Here's what he won't do. He won't help you keep being disobedient to him. If you're living in disobedience and you ask for his help, he will help you find a way out of disobedience. But he will not help you to continue your lifestyle of rebellion against him. So if you're living in rebellion against him, your prayer is, God, show me a way out. Help me to get right with you. Help me to know your presence and peace and forgiveness. God will protect you. He's well able to do that. I pray for the protection of this church regularly. I ask for God's shield of protection because the evil one would love nothing better and just to destroy this church. Got a little girl coming in here and praying over this deacon today, a little 15-year-old girl who just says, God, thank you for your hand on this church. I my heart to hear that, you know? To see that in God's work in a, in a young person's life That's sweet. It's evidence of God's protection and His hand upon this congregation. We don't want to see that change. So God is able to protect you and He's able to deliver you from the evil one. He's promised that in 2 Thessalonians 3.3. He is faithful to strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. He's able to do that. But He's not going to Protect you if you run headlong into rebellion. He's liable to let you experience the consequences of your actions. And then wait for you with open arms. when You're ready to come home. He's a wonderful Father. So we pray and we ask for God's protection and guidance because we recognize our need and without his protection and guidance we're vulnerable. Sixth principle of prayer is direction. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Prayer is all about the direction our lives are headed. My life purpose is to bring glory to God. Everything in life should be about his kingdom, God's power, God's glory being put on display Through you and through me. In fact, in this same chapter, Matthew 6.33, Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So it's about direction. Where is your life headed today? What are you doing with the life God is giving you? Are you spending it for his kingdom? Are you investing your life and energies in the things of God? Are you wasting your life on frivolous pursuits that take you nowhere? What are you doing? Would you join me as we pray? Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this prayer from the scriptures. My Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Father, I pray for those here this morning who are struggling, who are hurting, who need to make a decision about you and their relationship with you. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would just bring them to that place of surrender. Bring them back home, Father. Bring them back to your loving embrace. Bring them back to the place of forgiveness. Bring them back by your amazing grace. Thank you for your presence and the leadership of your spirit today. Continue to oversee us, Lord. Watch us and keep us by your power and by your grace. As we close this service in prayer, maybe here and God's been speaking to you today, you need to make a new commitment to the Lord. Perhaps you've never committed your life to Christ. If that's you, and you've never given your heart over to the Lord, you've never committed to Him, it's as simple as A, B, C. A, admit that you're a sinner and you need a Savior. B, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that He died for you, that He rose again. And C, commit your life to Him. Turn your life over to Him. That's what it means to be a Jesus follower. If you'd like to know more about that, I'd love to talk with you. Love the privilege of introducing you to the Lord, our great Savior. He loves you so much. If You're here today and you realize you've put the Lord on the back burner and you just haven't been living for him the way you should. You know that. You know that he loves you. That he's eager to work in your life. But you've just neglected your relationship with him. You know he waits for you with open arms. He's a loving father and he's always ready to give you a fresh start. He'll wipe the slate clean and let you start all over. He'll take you right where you are. You've just come to him.